I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Come on, come on. understand what I'm trying to get at. Yes, he was a great player. Yes, he was a wonderful leader. But he wasn't a magician. I'll take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. Welcome back. Welcome back, sir. No, I wasn't necessarily referring to you when I said that. I meant to all of those no, no. who have listened yes. in recent weeks and months and have been kind enough to say they've missed us through Christmas and the New Year. Have they? Yeah, so Excellent. welcome back. That's an area... Welcome back, you first. Thank you. Then I was going to say welcome Did back. Did you have a nice Christmas and New Year? Quietish. Yeah? Quietish, but enjoyable. Family went back from the UK and uh, it was nice. Uh, so very, very quiet. Nothing riotous like we used to do. What about you? Uh, same. Same? Yeah. Uh, it, by the way, it, uh, my name's Richard Keyes. This I'm is Andy Gray. Sadly, Nigel's out with his family today, so that's the latest reason yes. he can't be with us. But I understand because our weekend here in this part of the world is different. Is different. Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So when you get the chance to spend time with yes. your family, and Nigel's got young children, of course, then you should take it. And of course, they're homeschooling at the moment, so Mrs. De Jong is under pressure <laughs> when he comes and spends a lot of time away from home. Uh, the social media is an area that we're going to expand on in this coming year. I think a lot of stuff that we've done, Andy, hasn't necessarily uh, hit the mark Mm -hmm. uh, as widely as it should have done. Um, So I repeat what I've always said. Now you found us. Do please tell your mates. We are totally independent. We're not under the umbrella of any organization whatsoever. Uh, So we are able to express thoughts and views here that are very much our own. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yes. Um, Today we shall be speaking to a player, our guest, uh, nicknamed the Wasp, the Pest. Hold on. I know. I'm not going to name. I'm just going to ask you. A and question. the Crocus. Okay. Would he be for the club that we're going to talk about as mm-hmm. well? Would he be when you're talking historically about importance? Well, I was going to he ask be up there with the best they've had. I was going to ask you the very same question. His goal. Ah, his goal. That's what I mean. In that playoff, was rated the greatest ever. In a poll in 2005. But, but has it been bettered by the events under Mancini? Ah. Oh, you've given that away. Well, it's a. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, son. (laughs) How bang goes that? (laughs) Yes and no. It still leaves a little bit of doubt. a little bit, yeah. Because you could argue Uh, without. That's what I mean. The first one. Yes, you don't get the second. There isn't Aguero. Mm hmm. So exactly. the enormity of that goal. Well, that's what I was thinking. Is he up there with is open now we're for discussion? Is he up there at that club in the same way that the fans would look at Aguero, a company, uh, Yaya Torre, David Silva, as an individual? Kevin De Bruyne? No, no, I'm not. As a contributor, that. yes. Yeah, obviously he. You know, he'd be the first to say they are unbelievably good footballers. Yeah. We've just mentioned there, but for his contribution. Mm. At that particular time for that club, oh, it must be right up there. Massive, and you should never forget Mark Halsey. 
Was he ref? He was the ref. And you told him to be there somewhere. <laughs> he, he, he added on the 30 minutes of stopping. Teddy Bailey, well done, Mark. <laughs> Top class, right? <laughs> He's got a very special place in the heart of City fans. Uh, um, right. Uh, going to try each week to find five stories that, that interest ooh. me and I'd like to get Good. your reaction. I like that. You're the journalist. Here's the first one. And, and I don't wish to be too harsh here because you never know what's going on in somebody's private life. Correct. Agreed? Yes. Same with you and I. And yeah. we've been battered from pillar to post ooh. by many yes, yes, yes. without anybody really understanding Correct. the truth. So I don't want to be too harsh because it didn't quite work out for the lad. And I think he has got issues away from football. But uh, this stopped me in my tracks this week when I read that Bournemouth are to be sued by Jordan Ibe over image rights. The former... <laughs> I can see it in your face. You see, that's what I thought. Um, the Sorry. former Liverpool forward is suing Bournemouth over a dispute around image rights payments held back after his career was derailed by off-field troubles. Uh, this is a deal that incorporated both his image and shirts, replica shirts sold during his time at the football club. I... I I, I repeat what I said before I, I continue. I don't want to be too harsh. Well, I think you should. But I don't, <laughs> I I mean, don't think on. this is an issue that, that is worth arguing about. Would would you feel? Well. Un unless there's a minimum sum written into the contract well, that, a, that his rights. Listen, unless there's a minimum sum of 100,000 a year or something like that written in, which I doubt. I mean, mm. which I doubt. Mm. I mean, come on. <laughs> Do you think sometimes the modern-day footballer, not all of them, but do you think some of them get carried away with their own importance? I, I'm just talking in general. Well, I, <clears> I, I think it's a, it's a, we've moved into that area, haven't we, yeah. where where payment for services rendered is split into different categories, and that is one of them. Okay, uh, four, the man who led United nowhere, Ed Woodward, when he took over at Manchester United, they were seventh in the Premier League, 22 points off the top spot. As he leaves, they are seventh in the Premier League and 22 points off the top spot. <laughs> well done, Ed. Good return on your interest, Although, your, your investment. He has spent a billion. 1.2 billion. During the time that he's been there. 1.2. Uh, in, in, in the same. What? In the know, same vein. You know him. Wait a minute. You know no, 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 no. I don't. You know I, of I know his predecessor. And you know, you, but you know of him and you know his history, I guess. Yeah. Know, but where he came from. Yeah. Was he round peg, square hole, square peg, round hole? Was I think he, was he the wrong man or did he just make bad decisions? I think he got unlucky in some ways because he succeeded a very competent uh, uh, character in David Gill. Oh, better than competent. David got lucky in so much as that his time was associated very Fergie's time. Correct. Very closely to Alex Ferguson. And the and the and the crop of great players that they had at yeah. the time. When when fifty years from now we look back at all of this or somebody else does because it won't be you and I. Won't be, no. I still, I, I think they might come up with the conclusion that I've argued for many years, that Fergie was allowed to stay too long. Really? Wow. That, that whilst Manchester United sat um, mesmerised by his presence, mm -hmm. football moved on. And Manchester United you don't think he did. didn't. You don't no. think Fergie moved on? No, I don't think so. I think I think he did into the modern era because I don't think he could have had the success, Keezy. I've always said to you, Cluffy, we've always debated Cluffy. Yes. You know, because we, we I played when Cluffy was in his pomp. And he, he coached in a certain way. And Alex had a lot of old school coaching about him. And we always debated that. Do you think Cluffy could have coached in the modern era the way he did? And... I don't know, but he would have to have adjusted. And I think Fergie did adjust. I think Fergie, he never lost what he was, but he, he had to embrace the modern era. I agree with all of that, but that I think is superficial. All right. I, I don't think anything beneath him changed. I think he his he, iron fist yeah, yeah. Um, was, was on top of everything. And you don't it, think that's what they need now? No, I think they need... I, I, I still think they're catching up, Andy. I, I still think they need... Their player recruitment has been bad. Why? Because that department isn't as good as mm. Liverpool's, for instance. I think that that they're, they're, they're not just player recruitment, but the way that the club is run in terms of the youth now isn't as as strong as it once no, no. was youngsters in a different are, youngsters time. Youngsters are going to other clubs. Yeah, they're all going to Manchester City, yeah, which 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 is something <laughs> that, that you worrying. could never have imagined no. during Fergie's time. So I think that Edward Wood got unlucky in that respect. I think if you're looking, if you're judging him on did he did he keep United commercially successful? Yes, he did. Well, that's that's a different argument. 
did he keep them successful on a football pitch? No, no he didn't. No. What was his biggest mistake, in my view? Sacking David Moyes. Yeah, yeah, as quickly as he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with Moise. I think Moise, in, in fairness to David, he's always believed he didn't get a fair crack of the whip, and he didn't. Um, and I think it must be a little bit sore for him when he when he sits and sees what a good job he's done with the resources he's got at hand at, at, at a club like West Ham. Um, and had David stayed there and they given him 1.2 billion, I think Manchester United would be a very much different entity had Woodward managed to get a deal for Bale mm -hmm. or Fabregas. Ronaldo or Fabregas across the line and make them Moise's first signing rather than Maro and Fellaini then yeah, that I, I good, think it? It, it, it could have been viewed very differently yeah. as well the, yeah. the beginning of that era but I think that was an error uh, I, I think he's been chasing his tail ever since um, and I also believe it's the what right about the, what, but what about his successor Rich, I don't know much about. about. They say no. they say strong man, Andy. Uh, not not no. See, I, I also think Edwards was masters involved in the Premier League in, in any shape or form. No, uh, Arnold. Oh, Richard Arnold. Arnold, Richard Arnold. Yeah, Richard Arnold. Richard Arnold takes ah, right. over. Now, I, I think Woodward spent too much time in the thrall of agents. I, I think he was flattered by the attention he got from them, um, and and probably let a little bit of it perhaps go to his head in a way he shouldn't have done. What about the owners? Well, until until <laughs> for me, until the Glazers decide to sell and move on, forget them in the last yeah, the last I, few I, months. I, they haven't had a mention. It's not easy working for them, is it? Can't be. It can't be. Can't be. But they own the club. They've got a right to run it the way that they want to. I tell problems. you what, I would do. I think number three in this list, right, Andy, it, 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 uh, aligned very closely to the previous story. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, back page of the Mirror today. Get it right, boss, or I'm off. Well, I'll tell you what, son. Who said that? You go. Who said that? Ronaldo. I don't know. I love him. You know I do. I love him. And I've backed him all this. I love his contribution. I still think he's contributing more than most no. at 36. Yes. But no, you can't be you can't be doing that. I'm sorry. I have if it. If that's if that's genuine and he says, get it right and I'm off, I'm I'm sorry, I'd just be phoning him up this morning and say, listen, Cristiano, you've got three weeks left in January. Yeah. If you want to find yourself another club, Well, you that's exactly on? what I would do. And I've said it to you on on very, very good source. Mm -hmm. uh, I have it that he he was one of the exponents of stopping the appointment of Antonio Conte. <laughs> when the senior players were asked, what do you think? He was very influential in that saying is. no. Now, whether that's as a result of information he got from his mates at Juventus, yeah, where, where Conte was hard work maybe. or not, I don't know. But I think the minute Conte heard that, I mean, a number of papers are venturing near saying that now. Not many are prepared to, but they're saying that that senior, senior players were worried Um hmm. He, he was the architect, in, in well, my view, from what I've talk, been told. When you're talking about influential and senior players, he's the top. Yeah. Uh, I'm not playing under him. United are now saying, well, Conte was too much of a man for so detail. I, I mean, come I mean, that's on, please. embarrassing. Please. That's embarrassing. So I think the minute Conte heard this, that's when he decided I'm off to Tottenham. I, I would be quite happy to to let him go at this point because I, I, I know what you're saying and I've been a big fan and I still think between the two, give me Ronaldo or Messi, I'm taking Ronnie all day. Me too. Right. But I think his influence at Manchester United is more destructive at the moment than constructive. But they have to work that out. I mean, they've not made a very good job. So, well, the last one, did Fergie go? Eight years ago? Mm. Nine years ago? Something like that? And they've won three trophies? Nine of 32 ties this weekend in the FA Cup. Only nine will have VAR. <laughs> How can that be right? It's not right. Just don't have VAR at all. Don't use it. It's, it's just unfair. Why don't people who are making these decisions, I mean, why don't they see that it's just not right, it's unfair, and it's simple. Just say, in these rounds of the FA Cup, until every game can be covered by VAR, there will be no VAR. Mm. We'll referee it in the normal way. I don't see what the big issue is with it. So West Brom play this weekend at home, former Premier League club, yeah. so the, the technology has been used there previously, but because the championship isn't licensed, they far, can't use it. They can't use it. So they're playing Brighton. Yeah. Um, but if it was the other way around, Brighton were playing West Brom, yes. Brighton could use it. Yes. Ah. It's nuts. It's mad. It's mad. It? Also, also the nice, lovely piece this by Alison. What number Rudd. are we at? Uh, we're at number two, right. Alison Rudd. On that same vein, Alison Rudd, uh, Chesterfield's trip to Chelsea is a reminder of the FA Cup final that could have been. That was, yeah, we were there. Yeah. Old Trafford. Yeah, she also makes reference to uh, John Howard's thunderous strike, which hit the bar and bounced over the line. Yes, Those of us agreed. that were there agreed. know it was over the line. David Ellery, the referee, 
with no recourse to goal line technology, didn't give the goal, even though his assistant had run towards the halfway yes. line, believing one had been scored. <laughs> yes. Do you remember? Yes. Now, we went to see Ellery, Jeff Shreves went to see Ellery Correct. twice at the end of that game to say, why didn't you give the goal? He gave us two did. excuses as to why, and neither fitted the crime. No. He should have given the goal. He should have given the goal. Yes, it was it was a travesty of justice for absolute Mr. disgrace. Absolute shocker. Absolutely. Sean Dice played that day, didn't he? Big yeah, Sean, Sean got a pen back. to make them. Yeah. Sean got a pen. Did he score a pen? Didn't yeah, he? yeah. As you would expect, yeah. a big fella. And this this baffles me. Number one, I am staggered by this. Almost eight years have passed since David Ellery, the most powerful figure in English refereeing for as long as the current generations of officials can recall, said to a black colleague at St. George's Park, words to the effect, you look rather tanned. Have you been down a coal mine? In the intervening period, the man who holds the careers of English referees in his hands, not to mention the very laws of the game, this is uh, Sam Wallace today in The Telegraph, great piece, has not seen any great reduction of his considerable power. He apologised for what he said to Rob McCarthy, a referee coach who's since left the Football Association. Ellery attended a diversity training course and might have assumed that the matter would simply disappear, except for a man accustomed to getting his own way, it stubbornly refuses to do so. Quite right Two, mm -hmm. that this has gone on for eight years is an absolute scandal. Now, Ellery underwent diversity mm -hmm. course, mm -hmm. perhaps reset his mind on many subjects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking about incidents recently yes, where individuals who have muttered same or less have been swiped from the surface of the earth. Social media for you. How has Ellery got away with it? Um, a man described by Mark Clattenburg, yeah, no less, in his yeah, book, yeah. as a slippery, sly toff. Well, maybe maybe he's got away with it, Richard, because he's not regarded as important enough to bother about. <sighs> well, is, he is. Is he, big, is he a big enough fish for people to actually go after? Well, I, I don't know whether being a big fish or not is right. He, he, I know, but the one he sits. But the bigger the fish, the more likely you are to get battered. Well, I wasn't a very big fish. Are you worse, man? 20 years ahead of the top football in the country. You were a big fan. And by the way, on that subject, I noticed a piece from David Gower recently defending Bumble. And I'm glad he did. And yeah, I, I, I would defend Bumble. Not, not in what he said, but Bumble has a right to say it privately. And this, is the, point, this is the point David Gower was making. There's a difference yeah. between what we say to each other. Mm -hmm. And we're all, by the way, anybody that, that, that isn't prepared to accept that this is the case mm -hmm. is lying. What we say to each other and then what we might say on air. Mm -hmm. Um, there shouldn't be a great difference between the views you have and those that you then subsequently discuss. Yeah, yeah. But there are times when we all get caught having a chuckle about things that we shouldn't. Yes. That's true. So, so, so Gower said, well, look, you know, in, 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 um, in Michael Vaughan's case, and certainly Bumble's, mm -hmm. there's a difference between what you say on air and what you say off. That may be so, but I don't remember David saying too much about that when you and I found ourselves <laughs> in a bit of trouble as a result of as a result of a telephone that had sat on a table mm -hmm. in my studio and recorded conversations that were taking place. Nothing ever went to air. Anyway, no. that's not the point. No. What I'm saying here about Ellery is uh, he's discussed leaving. He should. Um, he should, yeah. Yeah. The FA said that, that there was an investigation, um, but uh, they they couldn't confirm the scope of the investigation um, and and time had moved on. They also now can't tell us when Ellery is actually going to be leaving. Um, it's extraordinary for me that he remains, as Sam says, the most powerful man in English refereeing, so powerful that the governing body for English football will not even say anything about his position or the investigation or indeed whether he has proffered his resignation. Uh, it is rumoured that he'll be leaving at the end of the current season. Good. He should leave now. We well, should leave now, but he'll probably want to leave at the end when there's a... a, a that shouldn't be his choice. No, it shouldn't be his choice, but it will be his choice. As I've said to you, he's a powerful man in that sphere, but I don't think he's, uh, what's the word I'd like, current or a big enough fish well, for others to go after him. Andy, this is the man that's rewritten the mm. rules of VAR 11 times. Yeah. 179 different rule changes during yeah. his time. But if you went to football supporters How, how powerful do you need country, to be? But if you went to football su supporters around the country and said, who runs the PGMOL? I bet you three quarters of them couldn't tell you. Well, fortunately now, the FA's latest chief executive, Mark Bullingham, has reviewed the whistleblower's evidence 
uh, that has come to light again in recent weeks and has commissioned a legal firm, Parker Bullen, to conduct an independent investigation into what happened. The FA would not confirm the scope of the investigation, yeah. nor who else it would include. Well, if I, but if they're having an investigation into him, and he's sitting there watching this, and he's about to leave at the end of the season, and just go now, as you say, why, why drag it on? What does that actually say, though? About I mean, I, there, there are so many people that have got into trouble. Players who have mm-hmm. who have been suspended for tweets that they published in 2010. Yes, you know, I, I, and yet this for me is a, a significant story mm-hmm. that deserves far more attention than it's had. And and I don't understand at all why it has not come to the interest of many men, many others. Well, watch your space, I would say. I hope over so. Over the next few weeks, yeah. I would think. I hope so. Definitely. Anyway, that's our five to one, I think. Um, congratulations to Graham Sharp. Yes, Sharpie. Board member, Everton. Do you know what? I'm delighted for him. Mm. He's, he's, his life has been Everton since he was a, what, what age would he have been? He came down from 20. Barton. 20. 20 22. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, and I, I was, yeah, it's about, probably about 20. And he was a been, baby. He's been there ever since. Mm. And, you know, I, I am I could not have been more pleased when I saw the headline. Somebody texted me to say Sharpie's just been uh, voted onto the board at Everton. I, I, I called him straight away just to wish him all the best and congratulate him. It's, it's great news. Somebody like that from that era, hopefully, hopefully can have an influence. We should have known something was happening when we called him recently. <laughs> I, I went on my Rafa rant. You did. And, and he wasn't having any no, of it, was he? So. No, he, back, he was back in Rafa. Was, and and yes. I'm looking at you quizzically thinking, that's you called the wrong number. So, there, there's only one way for me, sadly, when you go onto the board of a football club, and that's ultimately, obviously, you're coming off, but you come off a whole lot more unpopular usually than when you went on. I think so. Uh Because right right now, although he was not responsible for helping in the appointment of Benitez, he's there now to protect the appointment of Benitez. Yes, he is. And that's going to put him at odds with, with, well, it already has us. Maybe. He, He can't. Not but maybe, defend the manager. In fairness to Sharpie, maybe Sharpie thinks Rafa's a man for the job. Maybe Sharpie thinks he's the right man. I don't know. Would that be a view shared by the most successful team in Everton's history, generally, would you say? No. No. <laughs> Give me time to think about it. No. <laughs> but I'm, listen, I'm sure there's a few of them. Who, who, who in that team who think, yeah, he's done a good job. He's the right man. But he's one point better off. I know he is. One point better off right Mike now Walker. than Mike Walker was when Mike was sacked. Leicester up next, next week in the league. I don't understand how he can survive. You've fallen out with your, one of the best left backs in the Premier League yeah. and bought another one. Having not had any money in the summer, you've now got 30 million quid, which he spent on two right backs. Mm. No, right back, uh, sorry, a right back and a left back, yeah, two full backs. Yeah. Why? Why? An area of the pitch that was quite strong, actually. <laughs> I'm sitting watching quite him against strong. Brighton thinking, you don't need fullbacks. No. No. I think Seamus Coleman's still got legs. You know, Godfrey can play right back easy. We had Dina, who can play left back better than most. It's, uh, it's staggering. Listen, Rafa runs the club. We he know does that now. now. He does now. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Okay, let's change the subject. Let's talk, um, let's talk Manchester City. Oh, right. Uh, and of course, I, and <laughs> it's not been too difficult to quiz this week, has it? Uh, the wasp, the pest, <laughs> and the crocus. Joe Royal called him a crocus because he what? tended to come out in the spring. No, <laughs> oh, Joe. He did. He didn't say it was the only time he came yeah, out. That's but, funny. But he, he, his best form uh, was was in the springtime. I always thought he was he was a pest. I uh, thought he was a yes, terrific he was a pest, little combatant. He was. He never left defenders alone, did he? No, he had to be a pest for his size. He had to be a nuisance. You know, when when you're as small as he was, um, and you play is, where he is, played, yeah. or small as he is, and you play where he played, you, you in those days, if you weren't aggressive, if you weren't a pest, you got chewed up and spat out. You really did. Um, maybe not so much these days. If he played now, he'd probably get away with being sort of less physical, less combative, for want of a better word. But in those days, when he was when he was playing in his prime. You had to be combative to look after yourself. Otherwise, big boys, big centre backs would chew you up. There's no doubt about that. Let's uh, let's share some memories and some, by the way, some very current uh, with Manchester City's problems with COVID. Uh, I, I, some very current uh, information with Paul Dickoff. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, Paul, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you, son. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Mr. Ambassador. Yes. Yeah, this has been fantastic, actually, the last um, sort of four or five years um, since I came out of management. The club asked me to start doing some work with them, and then it just sort of of escalated. You know, before lockdown, I was um, traveling all over the world with them. You know, one one week I was in India, the next I was China, (laughs) Australia. New York, um, traveling everywhere. I'm delighted, Paul. You, no, you brilliant. as much as and more than anybody deserve that. And we'll get round to that. So I'm really, really pleased for you. See, it's a Scottish influence, you see. It's, uh, people are realizing you need it at your club. Yes. Absolutely. Listen, Graham Sharp. By the way, I'm, I would disagree with that. As we know, going all the way back to Hanson, Sunes, Dalgleish, it was always considered. The city of any apart from Paul, what, what were the biggest Scots about a city, Paul? Derek Parlane. No, I mean, bigger yeah. than that. Jim Tolmy. Oh. What do you mean? Oh, I don't remember. Jim told me. Yeah, Jim was there under Billy. You remember Bill. Jim? No, he doesn't. That's why he's gone quiet. <laughs> I remember my granddad saying something about. Him. <laughs> <laughs> well done, me man. Well done. Have that, you too. Quack. I, I was on the radio in Manchester in those days. <laughs> Jim told me. Jim told me. <laughs> and Derek Parlane. City good didn't, have a, didn't have a clutch of them the way United, Liverpool, and others had. Uh, I'm thinking as you're talking. No, I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. They, they probably, when I was watching City, they probably more had Mackhams. They had Dennis Chut. No. Uh, Mickey Horswell from that Cup one, uh, final team. They had Mickey further back. But this is an era Paul knows nothing about. What? So we'd probably not stay. He's here. a student of the game, that boy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, not. thank you. Absolutely not. <laughs> we were discussing, Paul, and I'm sorry, uh, we're going to have to again. 2005, your goal was voted the greatest in Manchester City's history. Has it been usurped by what Aguero did? 
Uh, I I think so. You know, I speak to the City fans and um, they say that without my goal, the Aguero goal wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. But I think I think what's surrounding the Aguero goal, um, the first Premier League um, under the new owners, which was when they came in, they made no secret that's what they wanted. And I just think the whole drama surrounding it, you know, being 2-1 down, um, looking as if Manchester United were going to win the league up at Sunderland, Zeckel then scoring. And I think everybody was thinking it was going to be typical City again. Yeah. Just missing out, the disappointment for the fans and then the Aguero goal. And it's going to be the most iconic moment in Premier League history, I think. And yeah. is at the minute, and I think it always will be. I, I am with uh, those, but, though, that say, and I said to Andy before you joined us, I, I, there is a strong argument without your goal. Mm. That's a huge argument. There isn't Aguero. Yeah. There really isn't. Yeah, that's true. No, there's... Um, yeah, I think that's the only goal I scored in my career. Guys, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. We know that. <laughs> okay, take us back there. Yes. Take us back there. You're deep in stoppage time. You're you're getting beaten. The, the whole future of the club is on the line. That fool Mark Halsey is the referee. <laughs> At what point did you have a conversation hey, with Mark and say, hey, how long, ref? Mark. Keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was... It was just the most bizarre game ever, um, and look, we knew how important that game was as players. Um, but it wasn't until afterwards that we found out how important it really was. You know, leading into the game, we knew that the club had to get promoted, and they were in a position that that was the lowest steps of the club's history, and a club like Manchester City should never have been there. So we knew to get back up at the first attempt how important it was, and then to be two 0 down. Um, I remember when. Gillingham went 2-0 up, just crouching on the turf at Wembley and thinking we're blowing it. You know, with 40,000 City fans there, where are we going to go from here? And then Kevin Harlock scored. And then I just had a weird feeling. And you, you know what it's like, Andy. I just yeah. knew I was going to get one more chance. Um, and then obviously to get the chance and score the goal, the equaliser. And that, that's the weird thing about it. Talking about the Aguero goal there, Aguero's goal was the winner. You know, and I, I thought I'd get a lot of credit for scoring the equaliser. <laughs> <laughs> Still seems a little bit, a little bit strange, and then obviously to go on and win it in penalties with Nicky Weaver and his daft celebration, and then the weeks afterwards, I remember speaking to uh, David Bernstein, who was the chairman at the time, who was an amazing guy, um, and it was only then that we found out that if we hadn't won that game, that the club had the possibility of, um, well, huge, huge possibility of going into administration, if not liquidation. So as a group of players, it was probably just as well. Yeah. We didn't realise that that... Who, who's was, a bit, who's was the best finish? Yours or Aguero's? Uh, mine. <laughs> <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. <laughs> yeah. Just for those, I'll I mean, I left you one. speechless talking about Parlain and told me, uh, Paul, but for those who, who are unaware of the consequences and, 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 and um, details surrounding it, it was, a, it was a playoff final against Gillingham, Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We just um, in the space of two years, been in the Premier League. Um, we just stayed up, and what, what's the Championship now? The first season, and then um, obviously we went down to to well, Division Two at the time, which is obviously League One now. Um, and the, the, the club was in turmoil, guys. It was. Mm. I mean, when I signed in uh, August of '96, from the August to the January, I actually had five different managers. God. Um, which a lot of people didn't realise. You know, I signed for Alan Ball. God bless him on the Friday. Uh-huh. Um, then on the Monday, um, on Sunday, sorry, um, Alan Ball left the club, and I was sort of like, "Oh, cheers! Thanks for that." <laughs> <laughs> cheers, Gaffer. You met a tip yeah. wink. You met, yeah. you met a no- yeah, yeah. Give me the nod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember sitting with Franny Lee um, and Alan Ball on the Friday. I was signing. They were talking about the future for the club and where the club was going, and then. Forty hours later, I didn't have a manager, and then it, it, and then it, it just went crazy from there. Go on. <laughs> who came after? Who Asa. came after? Phil Neal was one, I think. Um, was he not? Yeah, Asa Hartford came in. Oh, Asa. Asa. Asa, yes. Um, and then Steve Koppel came in for the thirty um, days. Yeah, thirty odd days. <laughs> and then Phil Neal, and then Frank Clark eventually took over oh, in Frank, January. Yeah. So, um, so it was a, it was a crazy time, and you know, but saying. The club was a bit of a shambles. But we sh- we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, forget Joe Royal either, who was in charge when you came back up mm. from that League Joe, Two player. Nah, the, the gaffer, yeah, absolutely the, brilliant. The gaffer. Mm. To, to, to this day, I still don't think Joe gets the credit he deserves. You know, and I agree. I think what a lot of people don't realise right, when Joe came in with with fifty six pros, 
Wow. And if you think Premier League, Premier 56. League, 56. 56, yeah, it's, it's mental. Wow. Well, because every manager that came in was allowed to sign their own players without necessarily getting letting um, any, anybody <laughs> go. Uh, and it was just a crazy time. It would three first team changing rooms. You know, <laughs> the, the actual first team. That's ridiculous. There was the ones that were on the fringe that, that the gaffer wanted to get rid of but couldn't. And then the ones that he possibly wanted to keep but couldn't afford to keep. And you know, it's not, you know what it's like if, if you've got two or three players in a squad that yeah. aren't happy, it can, it can create a horrible atmosphere. You know, and the, <laughs> we ended up having about 30 of them. And, how on earth did you train there? What on earth did they do with training? Uh, well, just training at different times. Um, <laughs> and, and, but but how, honestly, how the gaffer managed that was unbelievable. You know, and, and to create a bit of stability, to to create a squad that was going to get promoted first and foremost, but then to be able to get people out in the right way, in the right manner, um, and then whittle that down to a squad of 20, and, and then crack on and actually have a team to do it and, and to get back people sort of forget that we did, we did get promotion with the sort of league with the playoff against Gillingham but we ended up getting back to back promotions the following mm. season straight back into the Premier League and a huge part of that if not the biggest part of it was Joe and his management style how he got his playing and, and how he managed people as well you know he wasn't just a gaffer he was he was a dad at times he was a mentor and he did he just created the most unbelievable atmosphere in a football club that mm. the atmosphere previously had been poisoned. I love Big Joe and I yeah, love I love many of the uh, short descriptive phrases that he's used down the years, Paul. One of my favourites being, he's slower than a weekend in prison. <laughs> <laughs> he said that to me a few times. <laughs> but he also, did Did you get upset when he described you as a croaker? <laughs> yeah, I did actually because I asked him what he meant by it and he went, um, obviously coming from Glasgow, I'd never seen a crocus. No, we, well, before. we wouldn't have done no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he just said, he said, well, you we always come, you always seem to come to life in spring. <laughs> and I said, well, that's only the, <laughs> I said, but that was only because you never bloody played me. I was going to say, if you pick me in the autumn in winter, I might get a few. Yeah. I don't think exactly. he would have meant that unkindly either. I think that it wouldn't be a view on your form prior to, but would say you, you actually really came to life in spring. That's what I'm going to say. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and even the gaffer with me was great when he first came in. I was, I remember having a conversation with him where he told me he wanted to keep me, um, but because of the finances at the club that they they had to take bids for for any player that came in. And he sat me down and told me that Wigan at the time, who were in the same division as us, we actually went on to beat them in the playoff semi final. Um, he said they came in. He said the decision no. was up to me. No. And, and because I trusted, because I trusted the gaffer, I just said to him, "Look, no, sorry, easy do, decision. Yeah, do you, yeah, do you want to keep me here?" And that was my first question mm -hmm. to him. And he said, "Yes." And I said, "Well, if you want to keep me here, I said I'll stay and I'll show you, and I'll prove you." And I think the relationship from that day on between me and Joe, because this was early, and he's um, and I'm coming to the club as a manager, and I think that sort of cemented the relationship we had because mm -hmm. there was trust there straight away. With respect, Paul, with, with what you just said there, Wigan have never been at the same level as City, ever. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. It might have been the same league, no. but not the same level. <laughs> yeah. Pest and I Wasp, oh, I guess you, yeah, you pest, quite like. Pest and Wasp, I get. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did. Because um, that was my game, you know. I, I liked, I knew my limitations as a player. Um, and I knew that the main part of my game is to get under people's skin. And, and to work as hard as I possibly could to upset defenders and, and do a job for the team. You know, I was never one of these um, that thought I was better than what I was. Mm. I would never put myself there either, but I knew my capabilities. I knew I, I was never going to get the ball at the halfway line and beat five players and stick it in the top corner. So I learned very early from my days at Arsenal under George Graham, and he just told me to concentrate what I was good at. Yeah, good not advice. Try, not try to be, yeah, not try to be anything else. Because in the early days at Arsenal, Andy. Um, I was with all these wonderful, talented players in the youth team, and I really struggled. To Go on, give us a few. Give us a few names, if you, if you remember. Uh, Ray Par yeah, Ray Parler, Andy Cole, oh. and <laughs> just, just to name a couple in yeah. the youth team. And, and I would look at them as a young boy come down from Scotland and training, and I would actually, I was 16, 17 year old, but I would try to be what they were. Mm. And I remember George just sitting me down one day and saying, look, I was frustrated, I was getting angry, 
because I felt I couldn't compete. And George just sat me down and said, look, you're here because you're Paul Dickel. And he says, you're not Ray Parler. You're not Andy Cole. And he says, do what you're good at and you'll have a good career in football. He said, if you try to be somebody else, he said, you won't. And I just took that with me. Good advice. From, mm-hmm. from that day to, um, to so I ended up finishing playing. Was it Martin took you to Leicester? O'Neill? Uh, it was, uh, no, it was actually Dave Bassett. It was Harry, wasn't it? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when I signed, I knew Harry was stepping down. He wanted to, he was getting his thousandth game against Man United, it was. Um, and Mickey Adams was taking over from him. So Harry actually signed me, but it was Mickey that was... I was only there for a couple of months under before Harry left, and then it was Mickey that, 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 that took on the mantle after that. Ah, Keezy likes Mickey Adams <laughs> as, as a coach. <laughs> yeah. Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't my favourite. No, he wasn't. Yeah, his no, favorite, no. He wasn't my favourite, but I wasn't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so to get right up to date, Paul, you're now working for Manchester City as an ambassador, but also on Manchester City TV. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I can't, I know the club get a lot of stick because the, the owners, the money they spend, but I, I can't speak highly enough of them as in how they've treated me and, and the other former players now. So the um, City TV um, cover every game. So there's myself, like I'm doing uh, the Swindon game for the FA Cup with Sean Wright Phillips, um, Richard Dunn, Julian Westcott, and there's quite a few of us that yeah. run and do it. And, and as much as it's serious in the match day, it's First and foremost, it's good fun meeting up with your ex-teammates. Yeah, yeah, um, that's good. Um, and it and it is it's a good channel because it's City TV and you can be as as biased as you want. <laughs> when you're <talking laughs> that that is well. true. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You, that is true. And, and 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 that alongside with the the stuff traveling abroad and everything else promoting the club because you know it's a, it's a completely different Man City from when I signed in totally in could you ever have imagined where it's ended up, Paul? That, that, would you ever have entered your head back then? No, no, not at all. Not at all. And I still I've got a lot of friends that are Man City fans. Uh-huh. Even when the owners first came in in 2008, they were just they would have cut your right hand off just to, just to win an FA Cup or a mm-hmm. League Cup at any time because they, they thought they would never see that in their lifetime. So to see them winning Premier Leagues, competing at the top end in the Champions League, winning trophies in the style of football that they're doing. I don't think anybody could have imagined yeah, anywhere see, near it at we, all. We had this conversation. Oh, by the way, give our best to Danny and, and Jolian. Uh, and and mm-hmm. had it not been for COVID, Paul, I like to think we might have seen you out here in this part of the world as yeah, well. Yeah. But we haven't yeah. seen anybody for two years. Um, but I had this I conversation know. with Andy the other day. A club like City now, you're not looking to win the League Cup and the FA Cup, are you? You've got to be... Of course they are. There's only two there trophies. No, there's only two trophies for City any season, surely. One title... And if that costs you Champions League, give it up. Give it up, because that—that's the only one, isn't it? The, the Holy Grail Champions League. I, I think I think it is, but I also think that the, the way the club is now, and the mentality of the club is that they want to win every trophy that's out there. You know, I think we've seen that, and with the League Cup over the past sort of winning five in a row. You know, I think everybody would have thought that that would be the one trophy that the club and Pep would want to win. But he's shown that. Pep's a serial winner. But isn't there an argument, Paul, that in in doing that, that you've cost yourself later in the season the big one? Possibly, but I I, I do think that they've probably only got themselves to blame. You know, in the the Champions League final, they they give Chelsea their credit, they were the better team tonight, but Man City as a team just didn't turn up. No, they didn't. I don't think that's got anything to do with playing extra games in the League Cup or the FA Cup Mm. or anything else. It was just the the one-off game that they didn't turn up in. But going back to your question, I, th- I think the Champions League has to be has to be the one they're going for. Mm. You know, but, know but would you give up the league for the Champions League? I think what Keys is getting to. Let's just put this hypothetically for you as a as, as a supporter, as much as an ambassador. Yeah. Would you, if you're coming up to the end of the season, you've got two massive games coming up. You've got almost what you would call a league decider on the Sunday, and then you've got the Champions League final on the Wednesday. Are you playing your best yeah, team in? Question, are you playing your best team in two games? That's what I think he's just trying to say. <laughs> yeah, as, as, a, as a City fan and obviously ex-player working with the club, I would I would have to go for the Champions League. Yeah, you know because yeah. um, the Premier League I think it's five 
six times in the last ten years. It's been won. <laughs> the Champions League. Getting blasé now, right? Yeah, you're yeah. getting blasé yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can. So enjoy it. Why not? Why not? Can I get? I'm going to tell a quick story, Paul, because it's a bit like somebody getting blasé. I remember when we won uh, the league title at Everton, and Reedy's mum, Peter Reed's mum, was interviewed in the players' lounge after it, and she's talking like a fan, and, and they go, well, "What's that like?" He said, and she's saying, "It's coming up with the winning the league." It was, and she says, "Well, we we know the FA Cup. We've had that glory." But that's gone now. So we're after the league title. <laughs> that's what's important. <laughs> she was 100% she was right. right. She was brilliant. She was right. And I think uh, it is the same now for City fans. That Yeah, the, the, done the league, got to go and win the big one. But what, what's the situation around the club this morning, Paul, with, mm. um, with COVID? I, I, I mean, this morning being Friday, people might be missing or rather listening to this into the middle of next week. But uh, COVID's not good, is it? No, it's not. Obviously, um, 14 members of the staff and players have all caught it. It's, it's, it's rife everywhere at the minute. Um, you know, but the, the, the game's going to go ahead as, as far as we've seen. Mm. Um, and I think rightly so. And, you know, Manchester City have got this fantastic academy now. We've got some super young players coming through. You know, Cole Palmer, James McAtee, yeah. and Beckett. Yeah. And Beckett, you know, that there's some real talent coming through. And I just think to put them on the stage in FA Cup, swindling away, and TV cameras are going to be there for the experience for them will be amazing. But to get the games played, and I think um, it sort of sends a message out to other clubs as well. You know, there's been a lot of games cancelled, and I know it's it's been right for other clubs, but if you've got your academy there, if you've got your under-23s there, why not use them if you've got the chance? You've, you, as, as like myself, as a centre-forward, Paul, has it been strange or has it been enjoyable or surprising to see your club play for what now? Best part of a season and a half really without what you would call a centre-forward? It's been amazing um, and, and fascinating as well because I wasn't a big fan of it, Andy. Mm. You know, being a, an old-school centre-forward, yeah. I'm thinking you need that number <laughs> nine. That's, that's gonna, yeah, that's going to be up there regardless. Um, but to, to see the way they've played and, you know, the, people are talking about the, the run they're on this season without one, but they went, I think it was 22 games, one in every single game last year without yeah. a centre-forward. Mm. And and how they play and, and how they set up, it's um, it's fascinating to watch from a football point of view. But at the same time, it's people talk about them playing with a false number nine. Within any game, guys, they play with three or four, yeah. maybe five false number nines. <laughs> you know, a Fernando Silva, Foden, Sterling, De Bruyne has been up there. Even Gundogan at times has been up there. Mares has been in there. Grealish has been in there. But mm. they just interchange so well. And, and that, that can only, people say it's because you've got the best players and the best squad, but that, that can only come down to the coaching that they get um, on the training pitch. Mm -hmm. To be the, as fluid as they, as they are, mm -hmm. create the chances that creating without a centre forward is just, and scoring the amount of goals that they're scoring as well, it's just, it's, it's crazy to even think of it. But, I would still have a number nine in there. Yeah, me too. I've said to Casey, Paul, and I, I, I don't know if you want to, but I've always said to Richard, when you look back at the Champions League final last year, and I've said to him, and, and he said, well, I said, well, let me tell you, I think and I believe that if City had had a Harry Kane playing for them against Chelsea, you'd have won the Champions League. That's what I think last, last year. I think if you had had one, I think you might have already achieved what you're after. This answer comes uh, uh, separate from yeah. the ambassador. This is yes. a fan of Manchester yes. City is about to answer this because we don't want to get him into trouble. No, I'm, so, I'm just saying that. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I think. <laughs> do you agree? But, uh, yeah, but I do. I do. And I just think the amount of chances that they do create, mm. and I know they're scoring goals, and they've already scored five, six, and sevens this season, but to have a Harry Kane or a out and out number nine. I mean, I think I would even score 10 goals a season in that team. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Keezy thinks he'd get a couple. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, although I, I, that's pushing it a little bit. <laughs> I was just thinking, Paul, as you were talking, that squad that Joe had would never see a game cancelled for COVID. You had 50 professionals oh, on no. the book. <laughs> yeah, you play every week. Listen, in closing, thoughts, please, if you don't mind, on what's happening at Oldham. I know a club also very yeah. close to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is, and um, I'm I'm just I'm gutted for everybody that's involved, you know. And um, from the time I was there, it's got fantastic fans, fantastic people, um, in the club, and um, to see them bottom of the bottom of the football league, yeah. mm. what the ownership that they've got, they don't they don't care about the fans, they don't care about what's happening on the pitch, um, and it'll just be such a crying shame 
and it's looking like they are going to go out the football league. Mm. Um, and I wish the owner would. I wish he would do something about it. You know, whether that sell the club. And I know there have been buyers, and there will be buyers that want to take it on to try and get it back on a um, on an even track. But he doesn't want to sell, but he doesn't want to do anything to make the club progress, which I can't get my head around. No. Banning fans is not the answer. That's no, a certainty. That's for sure. Um, anyway, we do wish them well. Absolutely. And really nice to catch up, Paul. Thank you very much for spending yeah, time talk, with us. Paul. Give our best to everybody no, around Thank about you. the club, especially the two lads, Joey yes. and, and, Send uh, our and, best, and Dunny. Brilliant. Thank Thanks, we man. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. Great lad. Yeah, good. I wish he played for us. <laughs> I, no, I, I, he's, I, he's not that bad. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, Paul's got a better sense of him. By the way, as a as a club, you'd enough Scots in your club as well. Oh yes, yeah. Oh yes, a very a good one, very fine run of, uh, of Scots for I a long time. Yeah. I mean, McAllister, Strachan, yes. Hutchinson, yeah, Tommy, Tommy Hutchison. Hutchison, Hutchison, sorry, Hutchison, Hutchison. Willie Carr, Willie Carr, yeah, you've had some good Scots. good players, ah, and one that you've forgotten, which surprises me because he was your boyhood hero. Where? Colin Steen, correct? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right away. And do you know how I never mentioned it, Man City. <laughs> Come on. Centre forward? Yes. One of the greatest ever Scottish centre forwards. Uh, ever. At centre forward? Yes. Wynne Davis? No. <laughs> I said was greatest my, ever. Was Welsh. Come on. <laughs> Quinny? The lawman. Oh, the lawman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you don't associate the lawman with City. No, but Come he on. played for them. He did. I yeah. know. Both at the start and the end of his career. Never quite Never any quite. consequence. Yeah. No. Yeah, I know. No, I know. No, the, no, the lawman. You're right. No, the City fans don't want to talk about Dennis Law. <laughs> 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 no, they probably uh, Anyway, now you've found us. Um, you can find us uh, at the source of all good podcasts. Oh, yes. If you have a smart speaker, which Andy now does, you can ask your smart speaker to play Keys and Grey, the podcast. Alexa. Yes. Will she play it? And it will do. Yes, she will. Yeah. Let me try that. When I go. Um, and you, of course, can follow us on Insta and Twitter, Instagram. Um, I, I sound like I'm an old man trying to be mm. trendy. Mm. Now do it. Yeah, you, you can do In, it. Instagram and Twitter at Keys and Grey Pod. Keys, A-N-D, Keys and Grey Pod. So there you are. And uh, as I always say, tell you your see, mates. If we were being totally in, up, up to speed with the youth of today and things mm. like that, would, would we not be Keys and Grey Feet DJ? Feet? Yeah. Featuring. Come oh, I see. Feet, yes. Yeah, you go the, no, I just had visions of feet. No, all the <laughs> artists always do that. So-and-so, <laughs> feet. So-and-so, oh, right. yeah. F-E-A-T. No, well, I, th then there is the evidence that I am not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. No, nor am we'll I looking to be. DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be back. Much fun. Thanks, Paul. And uh, we'll see you at the same time next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.